Welcome to Everyday Lies, a show about the dumbest and most terrible things that people actually believe in. From folk logic and superstition to deeply held beliefs, creeds, and codes, from politics to mass marketing, popular grifts, cons, and comforts, how many lies do you live by? Today we have a follow-up to last week's episode, or last week, last whatever, what day is it? What even day is it? Are days still a thing? I'm not sure. But anyway, we have a follow-up to the last episode when we asked, what isn't affordable? And today we're asking, what isn't avoidable? Chris rejoins me as we're still working out how to have guests remotely who don't own their own equipment, and you can find us on more internet things now. So Chris, why don't you start? Say all your hashies and taggies and eggies. Mm. Well, hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? This is late night talk radio. No, I've just gotten creepier since the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, Can no, it's, it's, thanks for having me back. This doesn't seem like you have a choice. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't. So, um, plugs. Um, you can find our podcast at Under Pendulum Podcast on Instagram, Under the Pendulum Podcast on Facebook, at Pendulum underscore pod on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, and <laughs> Twitter, Twitter, and um, you can listen to our podcast under the Pendulum Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, all by typing in under the Pendulum Podcast. Awesome! You can find us at Everyday Lies on just about everything, or try Everyday Lies Pod. You can also email me at Everyday Lies Pod at Gmail. Uh, find us on the new Facebook page, which I just made. Which I just made. Um, I kind of hate social media, so if you're gonna send me lots of shit, I probably won't get it. But I'm working on it, and and I do appreciate the support and and fandom. I'd I'd like to give a shout out to Rose and Lindsay, who've really helped me on social media. Such such nice ladies. So <coughs> nice. What? 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 Timmy? I was trying to wait for a pause so I could do that, Timmy, so I could cut it out. But you know, no. Yeah. No, we're live. Life, we're life, live from the pillow fort. Life hardly works out the way we want it to. <laughs> <laughs> so since our last episode, I've joined the Howl at Eight Wolves to release stress. Uh, and almost every night since I found out about it, I've done it. I had to set an alarm because, like, what is time now? I can't save it in a bottle. So what is it? Anyway, I love doing it. It scares the shit out of the rabbit, who is our intern. We love to terrorize the intern. Find vi- find video of our, our bun intern on Instagram at Everyday Lies. Anyway, he uh, I howled, and he and Chris decided to howl with me, and the rabbit bit the shit out of Chris's ankle. <laughs> sorry, it's not funny. You think it's funny. I, it I was do- not. He just doesn't bite me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not funny. It's only funny because he yeah. doesn't bite me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's now I gotta be careful. I can't just howl with them hanging out behind me, mm-hmm. stalking, watching. So one of the things we went over in the last episode was the good news, and I have to unfortunately correct myself and report that half of it was fake, which made me really sad. What 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 was it? So uh, Nat Geo reported that fake animal news was widespread 
when the first lockdown started happening in Europe, the dolphin in the canal in Venice that sparked so many feel feels goods for me and and many other people. Actually, it turns out it wasn't true. Um, it was off the coast of Sardinia and was very much in its natural habitat. And well, well, I'm glad, always glad to see a dolphin. It wasn't actually as uh, hopeful. So are as all, I wanted. Well, I have seen a few of those stories, you know, about like animals kind of moving in because of the lack of human activity in certain like urban areas. So are all of them fucking fake, or is it just like a kind of a select few? Because no, I, know, I feel like I've like, seen g- quite a few. Gotta look it up. Yeah, you'll okay. have to look. I guess it up. I was just kind of like, oh, isn't that nice? Slip, 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 yeah. slip. Honestly, that's that's good to think. If you really need to know, probably look it up. But if you don't need to know, take the good news. No, it was a good Just feeling. I mean, it's news. like it's a really cool thing to you know think about. Like, yeah, it, there it, were also swans, but apparently swans are always there. It was just kind of like a tourist myth. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. So yeah, just look it up if you if you need. Otherwise, enjoy the fake good news if that's what you need. That's also fine right now. I don't need it. <laughs> not, not you personally. <laughs> Just anybody. I think I could leave it, you know. Um even actually this these were re-reported by Yahoo News and The Guardian. So it's not like, you know, don't feel bad that this got past you. This got past a lot of people. And I think we all just really wanted to hear something good. Yeah, it was definitely uplifting and uh, you know, the current times. Uh, I'm glad I joined the holiday group so I can release the stress of fake animal news. You know, it's funny when that first... Screaming out my window. Well, I'm sorry, howling. Well, we, when we were talking when it first... Acceptable screaming. <laughs> when it first came out, though, we kind of I kind of was like, oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And then when it happened the first night, I heard people and, you know, however mile radius around us we could you know still audibly hear it it was pretty crazy i was like wow that's like a woo a lot of people yeah it was crazy but anyway with this uh with this kind of fake news about animal about good things i just want to say just keep in mind folks uh both sides of the coin here there are people spreading misinformation because they think it'll have a positive effect like the like the person who doctored the story about the dolphins in venice i'm i'm sure that they just wanted like I'd I'd like to believe that that was more for boosting morale than anything else, but there are also people who will spread misinformation for more nefarious and political purposes. Uh, a few things I won't go into great detail, but a few things have been in the news. Like Russia is trying to undermine how people feel about five G by saying it'll like explode your cells and shit. <laughs> uh, my mom believes that. Really, does she? <laughs> she for a second. I oh, think I talked to her. But... She's got a stop watching YouTube. For a YouTube. second, I know. The YouTube rabbit hole is deep and luxuriously warm, like like pee, like pee in a pool. But you know, like I don't even pursue those links really, like unless to get a laugh or something, but rarely. No, they're do, hitting like... a target demographic. No, I know. But, well, but like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get, they like advertise those videos to me, but I never like really click on them. Sometimes I'll click on something that has to do with it, like an alien thing or yeah you know but like it's not well, nothing it's i like, take seriously nothing i would want to click on enough to have them be like oh are you fucking idiot to take all yeah. these videos i'm nom 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 like a some sort of i didn't look this up of for the conspiracy. show yeah i didn't look this up for the show but kind of exactly what you're saying you see these ads and you're like oh that's some nonsense i'm not gonna click on that but if you didn't grow up understanding how to navigate that you don't know what you're looking at and all of a sudden you think this this shit is real yeah yeah so anyway um this can get you like burnt out and bummed out real quick so i just want to say to everybody take care of yourselves 
when the truth matters, like it matters to me, it's really hard to not get bogged down with all of the nonsense and misinformation because it's just like it's just like yelling at a wall, screaming in the void. Sure. <laughs> arguing yeah. with a toddler, whatever. It's Which just, I do all the time and, you know. Argue with toddlers? Y- scream into the void? I scream at them. I just walk up into the crease and I'm like, what are you doing? He and does. Then, we don't yeah. go to Walmart together no, anymore. No, I'm actually not allowed in, I he's, think, he's, 25 Walmarts? 25 yeah, Walmarts like and that. going. Join join our YouTube channel. I just see Chris them. isn't allowed in Walmart. I just see them when they're like in their shifty eyes. I just, I just have to grab them and be like, "What do you know? What do you know?" Yeah, because I know that you all know that birds aren't real; they're just government skies, spies. But actually, birds are well, actually just silly toddlers. That's just silly toddlers, though. See, now toddlers are just spies for the reptilians. But you know, the birds, birds are birds. That's just sense. crazy. They're really operating off of only lizard yeah, brain. Toddlers. At that point. We need to be concerned about toddlers. Mm-hmm. The toddler threat is real. It is. <laughs> so, but, okay. So one of the things we went over in the last episode that was actually real and good. They drain more than just your hopes and dreams. They drain <laughs> your life force. Jeez. I, Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt there. <laughs> but also, some of the good news, like I said, there's half right, half wrong here. The air quality is actually better because we've all been like not doing human shenanigans for a while. I mean, that seems to make sense, though, right? Like, yeah. Less, yeah. less driving cars, less like production and manufacturing in some it, for certain industries. Yeah, I mean, you would. I'd imagine that seems pretty. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's less industry output, less people doing daily commute, so mm-hmm. the air is clearer. Yay! So you know, if your if your business is maybe like running green, think of you know days you can have remote and help cut down on carbon that's you know that's just yeah. something we all think about we realize how well it works and not only that but just like local air emissions denver's like a weird little pocket that holds on to shit and our air quality isn't great sometimes because of all the cars on the road so mm-hmm. if we could all just stay at home everyone could breathe better just just throwing that yeah. out there well if you also, can well, why not i like, think who the, doesn't want to work from home well you bring up a good point it's um you know if you can't always have your workers work remotely, try to have designated days. You know, I think you would also find productivity might, yeah. you know, might go up a bit because people actually have like another day at home. Sure, you're still working, but I mean, you're kind of in home. You're, you're at your yeah, home. You're a little more comfortable. We're all multitaskers sure. at this yeah. point. How are you going to get along in the modern age without being able to do <laughs> yeah, five no things shit. at once? Yeah, no kidding, man. Jesus. But I don't know. But, you, you know, we bring up a good point. It's, it's you know, how are we going to now look at these new things um, that we're starting to see emerge, especially for like our American working culture, you know, which has always been like, work, work, drive it to the ground. Yeah, yeah, you're in it to win it. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah like you're, you're a lazy piece of shit if you're not grinding yourself yeah. on the grindstone what? every day. You had day. four hours of sleep last night? What are oh, you feeling? Oh, I got two. You little yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah. My, my cousins uh, work in the Midwest, and one of them was telling me, it was just like, oh, uh, an eight-hour workday? That's kid stuff. Like, he does 16s, man, and he has for years, and that's, you know, you got kids. If you, you, you know, you want to look over there, they're raising, so maybe one parent stays at home. That shit is hard and expensive. Children be expensive, which is one of the yeah. reasons I don't have any. 
Yeah. I'm expensive enough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I guess it's like, how do you, what is America's ideals of like hard work? You know, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, you and know, I think sometimes it can be a little. Smarter, not harder apply? Well, sometimes it can be a little more extreme. You know, I always think of hardworking, like when we use it in a positive term, it's like you're working towards a goal or you, you have, you're determined to accomplish something. Yeah. You're not, not just, just a just cog like, in the wheel. Yeah. It's not like, see how long I cannot sleep and still work. Aren't you impressed? It's no. just not really a healthy way to look at, you know, at yeah. work in general. You know, it's a lot of people yeah. I know work those factory jobs Midwest and it's like mm. five in the morning till like three or three to five in the afternoon, depending on your schedule. And if it's fall or winter, you don't see daylight. And, you know, yeah. they don't have to run a schedule that way. They just do because you won't quit. Fuck you. No, but I think, you you know, when you run people into the ground like that, too, you also run the risk of more mistakes being made, um, you know, less careful productivity. For sure. You know, because, like, people can be productive, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be doing their job yeah. accurately or doing it well. You know, I mean, like, sleep deprivation. So we, we know what that does. Yeah, something I read a, lot, a while back about oil and gas workers and how some of them are so sleep-deprived at the point that the, the job that they're doing is dangerous. Those jobs pay a lot more than just about anything else in some of these areas, so people are willing to do it. Yeah. It's fucked up, though. Like, but, you shouldn't be able—you should—like, no job, no amount of money, nothing, whatever. It's worth risking your life for. <laughs> like, yeah, unless yeah. you're an astronaut, maybe I can understand wanting to go for gold there. Yeah. But— well, no, it's funny because, you know, in this capitalist pursuit of productivity, a lot of times it breeds more counterproductive practices. Yeah. You know, and it's just sort of it's always that sh it's always that short view. You know, it's yeah. never really the long view. Well, in the words of modern philosopher Cardinius B, motherfucking coronavirus. Sure. <laughs> I think I did my psychology dissertation on her. No, I'm just exactly. kidding. I, never, I didn't do exactly. one. So, we're going to follow up with our boy, Kenny B. Kenny B. Kenny B. It's Kenny Buck, right? Ken Buck? Yeah, Ken Buck. Who likes to a book. See, I, I, mean, I was like, I go back to the other episode, right? Yeah. Is yeah, that funny? It. Was that work? Is that good? I saw it. Okay. I, cool. I got you. Just want to make sure. I got you. But also, going back to yeah, what's he the up other to? episode, um, he doesn't look like he can fuck at all. But it, but oh, that's for yeah. that's for the listener to Google and that was my stance. I didn't think yeah. he could, you know. I mean, but hey. Well, you know, if he can't dance, then he can't. Oh, never mind. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> last episode we talked about Kenny B voicing concerns about shutting down the economy. In the typical Republican way, he favors the economy over human life. Because unless you're unborn, you can go fuck yourself. We okay? must feed the economy, give sacrifices to the economy. Yes, it is hungry and it needs souls. We're Yeah, we're apparently going to feed them old people. Mm, the older the berry, the sweeter the juice. It's not how that goes, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. I bet you Ken Buck would say that, though. I think he would. He yeah. also voted against the stimu stimulus bill. Oh. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, he cited debt for future generations. Bold thinking from a man who has voted against so many pro-environment bills in Colorado that the League of Conservation voters rates him at a 3% lifetime votes for the environment. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> right? So he's just like, our kids will be in debt for future generations. We can't shut down over coronavirus. Oh, really? Because you guys weren't. And then he's just like, the environment means nothing. Concerned? Yeah. You're worried? Um, yeah, I know, right? Of all of the things in this scenario to be worried about, he is worried about a thing we literally made up called debt. Well, I fucking man, it's it's always that stance, you know. And this is the one thing I one thing I hate about most politicians, like on either side, or you know, it's this appeal to like the children, like our children, are, you know, like education. God, you can make anybody do anything. No, I if know, you're talking about but, the children. Yeah, it's it's always just such bullshit because it's like when it comes time to be like, okay, what 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 about the children you were talking about? Nope. Oh man, you know what? There was a hole in my pocket, and that budget just fell out on my way to the bus station here. I'm, it's, I'm sorry. Cause it's, I, in my, oh, it's in my car. It's, I do it's ride in my, a it's bus. It's in my car, in my, in my other car. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. <laughs> some, some youth must have taken it. <laughs> some urban youth. Yeah, exactly. Urban, yeah. yeah you, We're you talking know, about Republicans, you know so they definitely thinking. think the youth yeah, was right. urban. <laughs> so he also wrote an op-ed for the Washington Examiner with another Republican called is Anthony Fauci helping or hurting? The first line criticizes him for bingo, bingo, putting the lives of people over the economy. A later quote from the piece says, Many businesses have been shuttered forever, and it will be almost impossible for countless other small businesses to reopen once the government gives the all-clear for the economy to restart. In the arms of the angels. That should be playing in the background. Can you can you play that for me on the world's smallest violin, please? Oh, I crushed it. I crushed mine. How are you playing yours? I'm just that good, man. I'm like Kenny B. More bold thinking from a man who voted against COVID relief. Like the irony is just like it I wonder at some points do they even hear the things that they say back to back? Anyway, he continues. It's tragic that thousands of people in the country have died, or many may yet succumb to the novel coronavirus, COVID-19. Yeah, we know. Like, like we don't know what it's called. Also, novel means new in this scenario. Not, it's not diminutive. Just, anyway. Oh, but we no, also... Oh, so novel. It's, uh, so lovely. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. But we also must remember that millions of people have had their lives and livelihoods permanently altered because of the government response to the virus. So climate change isn't a real threat, and neither is the virus. But if the economy gets weird, that's the worst thing. Cool, can you be? Cool, cool. Okay. Well, sidebar. He likes, he likes to fuck things in other ways, too. <laughs> <laughs> we found the way in which he can fuck. It is apparently up the government. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Okay. He, he can keep that uh, back tattoo he has. Is that the back tattoo? Oh yeah. Oh my god, he would. Buck equals fuck. But it, and like, there's a portrait of him, like Steve-O, hold, but he's holding a giant gun. Yeah, or movies of it. But like the that, gun yeah. is actually just like his penis, but it comes out and he's holding it like a giant gun. You ever seen the cover of um, that you know, Schwarzenegger movie, Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> yeah. It's that, but it's his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet tattoo. Fucking yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. All right, sidebar. Uh, what he really doesn't want you to know is how badly his party has shown their hand recently. 
about a lot of things because, well, Trump is like an idiot parrot who sits on their shoulder and tells all the other players what their cards are. But also because, yeah, that's that's Trump. He really is. He's just like, they're like, well, we don't want people to know that we're racist. And then Trump's just like, Nazis aren't bad. They're all people. We love people, right? Like, every time they're trying to hide something nefarious about their party, he's just like, what? What? And they're, like, you know, making the sign, like, shut up. Shut the fuck up about this. And he's just like, what? I don't understand. We're Nazis, right? See, I don't, yeah, see, I don't know. I know, like, I know they still walk the li- they're that kind of thin line, but, like, I also kind of feel like they, like, feel empowered, too, you know, like. Some oh, of yeah. them don't mind. Like, some are like, dude, there's a little... Well, I don't know how little... this happened, but the idiot parrot is somehow in charge. So the yeah. idiot parrot just gets to yell out all the cards, and no one really understands why the parrot still gets to do this. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay, anyway, and then the sidebar. There, so we're under th- under threat right now from an enemy that has no political or monetary agenda. And that makes all of their own conflicts of interest show... When you look, look at our health system, case in point. If we had had the socialized health care that we wanted and prepared for pandemics we've been warned about was going to happen for like 20 years now, we wouldn't be here right now. But they fought so hard against it, we have to entertain the idea that somehow it would have been bad. And now we're looking at mass graves. It's just, it's just dumb. They just wanted to boost profits for their constituents who are mostly big corporations and not people like you and I. Um, You can take what you want out of love or hate or free market or whatever. You can't sacrifice people to pandemics for capitalism. Like, you just just can't. Call call me crazy. The economy is hungry. The economy is hungry. Anyway, the guy he wrote the article with, back on to Ken Buck, the guy he wrote this article with, Andy Biggs, Arizona representative, or Arizona Republican, sorry. I, I'm Andy Biggs. I have big pants, big sweaters, big hats. That's right. Everything's big, big, big. Big, big, big. And Andy Biggs. <laughs> so Andy was like, in true big Andy form, was like, it should have happened yesterday. I'm trying to use every bully pulpit I can to make my case. So, yeah, basically, um, you're going to see a slew of articles coming about that look like news, but instead are just opinion pieces from people like him and um, think tanks that support people like him. And in one episode, we will get into think tanks and things like that, because I've had people be like, well, what about this? What about what this reporter says? Like, this isn't a reporter. This is a talking head at a think tank. So we well, have to talk about that shit. Y- you can't overfeed the think tank or else, you know, they'll die. Maybe you should <laughs> feed. And then you got to flush them down the toilet and then buy a new one before your kid realizes that the old one died. <laughs> Chris also doesn't have kids. Nope. I think he's speaking of his own childhood trauma. Nah. No. <laughs> I like dead things when I was younger. <laughs> He's a spooky boy. Tune into Spooky Boy podcast at under the pendulum dot spooky boy dot none, none of that pod exists. Com. None of that Got exists. you. So, uh, before I get into my last little diatribe about Ken B, it is time to howl, people. It's time to howl. It's time to howl. It's time to howl right now. Okay, but anyway, before I go. 
When Ken Buck was the DA of Weld County in Colorado, he and the local sheriff, John Cook, had a tax firm that catered to Spanish-speaking clients raided, and they wanted to use the information from this raid to incriminate undocumented workers for fraud. Colorado courts ruled against him because that's a hella illegal and it's against their Fourth Amendment rights. And I just thought you should know, if anything, that guy is literally trying to steal your information to incriminate you, which is a thing that's just bullshit. I don't don't, like was the technical term. I believe it's bullshit. Right. Anyway, join me while we howl. I can't get out of the thing. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. What's up, y'all? I'm back. Thank you. I hope you all joined me. Well, if you replay it at 8, you can howl with us. All of us. I'm there. Anyway, um, yeah, Kenny B. That is uh, an elected official of Colorado. Okay. Long, like, he used to be a DA. Long-standing member of the community. Also, giant piece of shit. How's it, how do you feel about that, fellow Coloradan? Well, knowing and what I know about him from last time and this time, I'm just I'm not surprised, you know, that he's uh, I don't know he must he must connect to. I mean, obviously we have a huge evangelical um, community here, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's just not that crazy that um, you know he would be in a position like that because he's you know probably championed by a huge part of that you know community here yeah um, like raytheon super large community so yeah i don't know i just not that surprising i guess you know just yeah kind of knowing not surprising that christian conservatives who support this man would you know n- want him to collect money from raytheon sure and keep going no i think most of them don't know that no like... i'm sure most of them don't know that but you know do they care i'm as not long sure as, as long as their interests I don't know. It's are like, where championed your, where does your pro-life and is it once it's born or are exploded and you know, exploding bullets are okay or I don't know. Anyway, so actually Republicans everywhere are having a hard time understanding that the virus doesn't care about the economy. So I have a few quotes here and uh, I do want I am going to point out the guy who said that we should basically die for the economy uh, but there were there are others like this is a resounding issue. And now you're really seeing the hand that they don't want you to see. This is uh, the man behind the curtain. The one that's uh, kind of sticky. Yes. Yes. So I'm just going to read to you a few quotes that came up recently in these few weeks of what the Republicans are planning to do with us. So Trump says we're going to have to make some. Di- I'm sorry. We're going to have to make some difficult trade offs. 
The numbers are going to increase with time. They're going to open the country for business because the country wasn't meant to be open. I'm sorry, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think who you, you remind me of um, some actors. I don't know. I was thinking like... Um, Oh no, I'm thinking of the la- the lady from Futurama actually. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. the what you call it. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah, that lady, that's, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> so Trump basically says that uh people are going to die, but we're going to open up the country anyway. And the Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who is of the opinion that old people uh i.e. those most at risk should volunteer to die to save the economy. Bold, bold statements here from a pro-life champion, quote unquote. I mean, dude, they that already, is what his they website already got says. a chance, man. They already had their chance. They just got bad, dealt a bad hand, right? Jesus so Jacob Winterstein, a real estate developer in Texas, and the finance chairman for the Houston air for the Houston area for the state's Republican Party said that businesses should have the right to operate if they see fit despite the risks. People in front of my face are watching their businesses be destroyed by our choice of the cure. I read that, and I immediately could not help but imagine having a family member die from COVID, and then this fucking guy is whining about like money being lost. Yeah. I mm-hmm. might strike him if he said that to my face. Like that is cold. Imagine like people have had their children die from this. Well, little and their parents or whoever, but like people are dying and you're just like, Oh, money was lost. So well, like I mean, guess you gotta die. Well I think the sadder thing is there is probably there are probably some people out there who lost a family member but still prescribe to that ideal. It's almost like it's it's hijacking the idea of uh utilitarianism. It's it's just like, oh well, if it serves the greater good, yeah, I guess the hand. But it doesn't. Down. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's like these, yeah, Republicans or or who you know, whoever is promoting that that platform or that or that idea. It's it is just hijacking that idea of like the greater good, but for you know nefarious not, reasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's nefarious reasons and made up ones at that. Like mm-hmm. the economy isn't worth anyone dying over. Like, sorry, we can just feed everyone, close everyone. How the how's everyone to deal with this if, if we really wanted to? It's just it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah. anyway, it, it just seems that in an economic downturn, of course, it always hits the vulnerable the hardest. But I think if we could we could change that if we really wanted to. I mean, look around, look how quickly like we did all this that we've just been we've been home chilling. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't actually that hard for us to just like really mobilize and do this thing. So I really I think this whole thing about how much it's going to hurt the economy is um it, it's like bullshit gaslighting on on all of us who don't want to die of the sickness mm-hmm. anyway so chris my good man we talked about this on your show actually under the pendulum podcast when i joined you for an episode about human sacrifices oh yes this is the god from antiquity that requires the human sacrifice it is the god of capitalism um, 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 soul. Um, um, um. Okay, go- okay, God, before you um, eat more people, just make sure you don't hit that mic. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I ate the mouth, ma- the- I-, I hit the mic as I uh, 
eight people. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gods do what they want, I guess, you know. So I asked Chris to come on today to read us some stories about political executions, rebellions, government overthrows. And he brought a, he's bringing us some tales from yeah. the ancient past because well, this shit repeats itself. So there was a lot. I looked up a lot of different executions and stories and, like, you know, um, rebellions that ended up in, like, a mob execution. And it was hard to find some stuff, like, some good, good stories, you know, that I could kind of sum up easily. So I was in a classical world mood this week. So we're going to be talking about assassinations of tyrants. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it'd be, I don't know, it was just kind of where where my, where where I went with this this week, so. <laughs> I basically just, like, tell him vague things and be like, bring me this. <laughs> He's on a weird scavenger hunt. So. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, but these are, like, you know, obviously the, this kind of history is my bread and butter. I, I love jam. I, I love bread this Bread, butter, this and stuff. jam. Yeah. Like, the classical world, love it, so just crazy shit, but anyway. So, um, yeah, ancient Greece, and so this is going to be... A story maybe a lot of people don't know, but is actually a pretty famous story in Greek history. So this is the story of uh, Harmodius and Aristogeiton. So let's go all the way back to ancient Greece. By the beginning of the 6th century BC, the age of tyrants had been in full swing. So tyrants weren't quite what we imagine them to be today, um, though some would certainly uh, exhibit those qualities. Uh, we generally associate the word tyrant with authoritative and oppressive leaders who obtain and and exert their power by any means. Like Oprah. Like Oprah. No. Yep. <laughs> Kidding. Don't get us sued. <laughs> I'm not trying to get us sued. Uh, I, wish could, I wish we could come up with a good Greek name for her. Opidius. No, that's no. going. That's going. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Go on. Sorry. So anyway. Um, but in ancient Greece, tyranny or a tyrant roughly kind of means an ideal ruler or a king. This idea of a tyrant was supposed to be a leader of the people um, with their interests in mind. The strong man. Yeah, it was a more benevolent ruler who was fashioned um, in a similar manner to the kings of Homeric epics like Agamemnon of Mycenae or Menelaus of Sparta. And they're supposed to be really good. You know. So tyrant was a, at first meant to be something good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They didn't mean the same thing as it means today. Um, but... As things usually go, what they originally envisioned did not translate to practice. That, yeah. I know. I That's me every time I try to bake something or sculpt something. <laughs> so around this time, there were archons who were just essentially magistrates. Um, and they were made up of these different aristocratic factions. They sort of monopolized the power and they divided the duties among the different archons. And there was a king, but these archons began to kind of supersede the authority of the king over time. And they often tried to find ways to undermine the other factions. I mean, it's kind of, oh, not unfamiliar, I'm sure, to most of us. <laughs> no, hint, wink, nudge. <laughs> you know, this trying to undermine the other factions, this often presented ambitious aristocratic Greek men with the opportunity to seize power on behalf of the people. Hmm. So um, this, of course, is a little ridiculous as they were usually also a part of these aristocratic factions. So um, it's Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to save you from the thing he is. Yeah. I mean, well, like, yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess we, we see that over and over is this like, I'm the champion. I am the voice of the people. And, you know, 
we need to be careful of revolutionaries just as much as we need to be careful of like people who seem like they want to take power. Yeah. Um, Cause like, what is the revolution? Need, yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you need know? to be wary of charismatic leaders of all kinds. Yeah. Well, when I was looking at executions, sometimes it wasn't cut and dry. Like uh, a leader would be killed, but sometimes it didn't seem like that was the right thing to do when, you know, in hindsight, looking at kind of the history and like what the person was doing, I ran into that a lot and it turned out to not always be a very cut and dry, good and bad thing. So probably a lot of going after the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, somebody of an opposition demonizing somebody else and then riling up a mob or the people enough to do something yeah. Right now I could see them blaming something on Hillary Clinton. They could be like, COVID-19 was Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And then they'd, they'd go lynch her ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, some tyrants, again, would claim to be champions of the cause of the regular people. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes they would raise farmers to serve as hoplites or like these Greek soldiers um, within their armies, and they would use that to take power. Or they would hire form foreign mercenaries. Um, hmm. So it was really kind of like crazy. You would just Hashtag have these- look up Blackwater. Yeah, you would have these aristocratic people like kind of raising armies, and it was just kind of like taking over sometimes. Like that's how tyrants got their position a lot of times. So, yeah, I see the <laughs> negative connotations falling into place here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of um, starts to morph, and then it does turn into, you know, obviously what we think of as a tyrant today. But tyrants could also sometimes work for a greater power. For instance, um, the Persian Empire used tyrants as client kings to rule over different Greek cities, um, especially in Anatolia and Ionia, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, you know, it's that eastern coast of the uh, Aegean Sea, you know, in the Persian Empire, just beyond that little Ionian coast in Anatolia, they had all that territory there. So, so a client king that is a, a puppet government? Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, you know, hey guys, you can do your thing. You can still live life the way you wanted to. You just have to pay us tribute and contribute soldiers and do all these things, but you can do what you want. So you can still have your own king and run your own government but it's a government underneath the, you know, um, working for the empire or, or, you know, like underneath the umbrella gotcha, of the empire. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a whole, you think it's a wholly American idea how much we do it, but it actually comes from ancient times. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Client kings were, I mean, the Persians were really good about doing that. You know, it, it wasn't like the Assyrians where it was like, you do what we say or, you know, we're killing everybody. The Persians did that, but mostly they like to try to find more diplomatic ways to um, expand their empire. They're like, eh, it was messy. How about you just pay us and do what you want? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, you know, these rich aristocratic Greeks, they basically owned the lower class around this time. They owned most of the land and there was absolutely like no social mobility. Uh, farmers and other workers also fell heavily in debt as the aristocratic landowners forced them to take out more loans. And as a result, some workers would be placed in what was called bondage debt or basically slavery if they could not repay the debt fast enough. God, would Monsanto love that yeah. shit? Yeah, because yeah, it is. It's it's good slave labor for the landowner. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I, I not only was getting they work from They already do you, half that. Yeah, exactly. And now I don't even have to do anything. I don't even have to give you loans. You know, like you're just going to work this off the rest of your life. And I profit. But, you know, the poor and the working class, they wanted land and rights, damn it. Yeah! <laughs> so, in 594 BC, a Greek named Solon became the main archon of Athens. Um, he seemed sympathetic to the plight of the lower class, and he began issuing and constructing reforms. Uh, so he abolished the debt bondage, and he cleaned everyone's debts. Woo! Yep. 
And in turn, this kind of... Archon Sanders. Yeah, and he reorganizes the class and social structure, and which allows for more social mobility, uh, representation of the different of the different kind of tiers of this uh, society, and people are actually able to participate in their government. This initially kind of yeah, he sounds really (laughs) Sandersy. It was kind of very revolutionary, you know, and it's like it failed in the short term, but in the long term, you know, his reforms become the kind of the foundation of what we know as democracy. Keep you know, that in mind, Bernard. The, the main thing is regular people are able to participate in their government despite their class. Um, that's the main idea, like the core idea of it. So social prosperity returns due to these reforms, and everyone was mostly happy with everything. However, those uh, who were the rich landowners were not. Oh, of course. Yep. <laughs> so, Obviously. <laughs> as any good democratic leader would do, uh, Solon steps down and he leaves Athens for 10 years on a kind of a, a, a self a self exile in a way. Um, but during his absence, factional conflict. like, I did so badly, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he just, you know, he steps down like he should, you know, like like any democratic leader would. You step oh, down. Oh, he's like at the end of his term. So it was yeah, like, kind of. Well, I mean, I'm sure he could have stayed, but he, but you know, he, can't. he left. It was like yeah. Obama. He's like, peace. I'm going to Maui with my wife. Fuck well, all of you. Well, it may have been for good reasons, but, you know, during his absence, factional conflict uh, arises even more. So he might have seen that on the horizon and been like, shit, I might get like assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> so he might have just left, you know, um, kind of seeing the the percolating animosities from these like different factions, aristocratic mm-hmm. factions. So Pisistratus um, was one of these Greeks of one of these um, factions. It was called the People of the Hills. So he, he was a fish. <laughs> he, was, he was a fish on a hill. Um, <laughs> but he tries to take Athens and he and create a tyranny once Solon leaves. And it takes him three attempts. Oh, so in 561, Pisistratus gets bodyguards to help ward off assassins as he goes to seize the Acropolis. Um, but he fails to hold it and he is quickly kicked out. In 556 BC, he gives it another try with the help of an ally's army, but he loses and gets kicked out again. And then in 546, he gives it a third try, and he returns from his exile with a foreign army, and he finally is successful in taking Athens. And he rules um, up until 527, where he's then succeeded by his sons, Hippias and Hipparchus. So the names are going to get kind of confusing, so stay with me here. Hip and Hap. So, so the Hippias and Hipparchus are Pisistratus's sons. Gotcha. They're all the connected to that tyrant family of Pisistratus. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's going to get a little confusing here. So, there obviously is a hatred for Pisistratus and his sons because you know people didn't like the tyranny system anymore, especially after the uh, Solon reforms. And this is kind of where Harmodius and Aristogeiton come into the story. So it's said that Harmodius and Aristogeiton were lovers. Which isn't obviously uncommon in, in Greek society. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and they're also- I say those was two men. Two men, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're also referred to as the tyrant slayers and the champions of democracy. Yeah, sorry. Democracy, gay as fuck. Live in that <laughs> Super shit. Super gay, yep. Woo. Uh. That, that is- <laughs> That is like proud gay history. Right yeah, there. well, so and there's one source that says like been you've, throwing bricks at people since ancient Rome. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to divulge some information, but I'm gonna hold on to that for a okay, sec because okay. it's gonna make more sense when I give another name here. Um, but anyway, so these two guys are often compared to um, Achilles and uh, Patroclus. God, I'm I'm sorry. I, I really tried on these names. Patroclus 
Achilles and Patroclus from the Iliad. You know, Achilles is obviously like the the most famous hero in Greek, you know, fought the Trojan Wars. and Brad Pitt. Gotcha. Um, yep, yep, Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, but he, his friend is uh, Patroclus, um, but... It's often I'm picturing it's Patrick often, from SpongeBob. It's often speculated though that they were actually um, lovers in the story, like that they were supposed to represent because they were so sense. close. Yeah, so people affectionately referred to uh, Harmodius and Aristogeiton as akin to Achilles and Patroclus. You know, it, it shows not only that they're great, like kind of heroes, but you know, it, it ties them to this sort of hom- Homeric tradition of like a great Greek um, person. However, they did not do this alone, though. What I'm about to get to. Because uh, Pisistratus had exiled all the rivals and enemies, um, he had dishonored quite a few powerful families that still seeped with anger. Um, and no one knows for certain the reasons for Harmodius and Aristogeiton's true intentions of getting involved in this assassination plot. One story is that um, Aristogeiton kind of made a pass at, I think it was Hippias or Hipparchus, um, one time, and, and they were spurred by one of the brothers, uh, one of the Pisistratus's sons and so out of rage was that like a sick burn no it's like um Aristogeiton was like kind of fancied one of the brothers and the brother was kind of like nah and so kind of out of a jealous rage um decided to assassinate you know overthrow the tyrant I think that's kind of bullshit but um man dramatic yeah right (laughs) be careful who you uh let down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. But anyway, so um, you know, no, so that's just one reason we think that they might have gotten involved. We don't really know. It's probably more that they were just um, members of one of these factions. But they were able to rally um, these different enemies and those in exile from Pisistratus's um, reign, and also his sons as well. So there's a lot of hatred, and they were able to gather those people, um, and they decided that they would murder the two brothers and end the tyranny. And they just had to make a plan and find the right moment. So they saw their opportunity at the festival of the Panathenea in 514. Um, it's basically a festival uh, that was meant to honor Athena, who is the patron goddess of Athens. Um, you know, they held games, they had competitions, and of course they had the festival. So it was like a big, you know, several day event. Sweet, yeah. Um, so Harmodius and Aristogeiton had found their co-conspirators and they formulated a plan. They would go to the festival wearing a costume to blend in. This would disguise them and hide their weapons. They arrive at the festival and they find Hippias and Hipparchus. They keep inching closer and closer to them until the time comes. Then they jumped out to kill Hippias, who was the ruling tyrant and the eldest brother, but ended up killing Hipparchus instead by stabbing him to death. Hippias got away before they could get to him. But Har- and so Harmodius is killed in the melee and the plot is not carried out because they're trying to kill Hippias really. But it is somewhat successful. Um, Aristogeiton was unfortunately captured and he was tortured to death. So, you know, Hippias doesn't die and he continues the tyranny for a while. But he kind of becomes full of doubt and paranoia and it really affects his rule. Um, (laughs) He's constantly watching over his back for other assassins. And he, you know, is really paranoid and, and suspicious of people around him. And he becomes even more oppressive and ruthless because of this paranoia. Um, so a few years later, uh, Sparta would help uh, some of the opposing factions overthrow Hippias in 508. Cleisthenes, um, who was another Greek, um, he steps up and he reworks Solon reforms, and these the second working kind of becomes the second draft of Greek democracy, and this would later influence Western democracy. So, Harmodius and Aristogeiton. <laughs> what a mouthful. Yeah, I, I really tried <laughs> to practice these names so hard. Nice job. Thank you. Appreciate so it. there was Archon Sanders, 
who tried to make it good for people to live in this society, and then the rich people were like, nah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're um, like, what are you doing? I have all these, like, farmers and, you know, lower class people who are indentured to me, and now you're taking away my workers, and, you know, and, and you're letting them participate in the government? It was exactly that. It's like... This this idea of like supremacy of by class basically yeah. yeah, and now you understand why people hate unions. Well, not people, but like corporations hate unions. Try to do the same thing. I remember I used to go to this bar in Florida, and I remember me and this older gentleman kind of got into a, like a little bit of an argument about unions, and because he's just like you know unions just they just fucking ruin the the country and blah blah, blah. <laughs> and it's kind of like. The reason well, I have a lunch break. Well, it's kind of like, you know, well, I mean, but workers have to have rights. He's like, well, you know what? I own a business and it's just bull. And I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And it always depends on what side you're on. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if you, you know, you're going to be a, a good business owner, like you've been on both sides. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the other things that we talked about in the last episode was uh, my warning to beware, well, my warning, and also Jesus' warning. We're like the same. Jesus' warning. We're like the same. I'm just saying. To beware rich clergymen. (laughs) And now we're back to uh, all the fun that that entails. So we touched on it last time. Here in the United States, we have a a good amount of televangelists, which are people like... I feel like clergyman is a strong word. Uh, clergy personality who run these churches and pull funds from all over the world, basically. C- clergy personality. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I-, I don't know. Just just growing up in that culture, I would look at these people and be like, false prophet. Like, you were definitely, like, mentioned so many times in Hurts. Like, you were the guy that I was warned about, like, 20 times who was coming to, like, take my money and feed me to the devil or something like that. Anyway, it's just, it's funny to me. you better watch out for him. He'll steal one of your socks. (laughs) Yeah, it's just interesting to me that anybody goes to these churches. Without taking off your shoe, how does he do it? They're so obviously exactly described the way that they are, like, how much they love money how they use, you know, God as a shield. It's just like, it's fucking crazy. It's in there. there it's, like, if you read it at all, you know that. But anyway, right now we have pastors doing everything from uh, trying to get their congregants to buy fake cures for COVID-19, as well as threatening them in case they, you know, don't tithe that month. Which, you know, truly the mark of a stable church is that they couldn't go a month without being tithed. Jesus. I've got tithe balls. (laughs) Come on. I mean, just just a little bit. I I need a little release. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Ugh, gross. Gross. So Missouri, the state of Missouri, sued Jim Baker for selling a fake coronavirus cure made of silver. Some silver bullshit. Yeah. I don't know what it is it is with these people in silver. I, I don't silver know. and gold. <laughs> silver and gold. It's not even Christmas. Yeah. God, will we be here till Christmas? That's no, don't answer uh, the question. Okay, don't yeah, even, gonna, right. Don't I don't want to. It's too dark for right now. It's too dark. <laughs> also, an American pastor, Robert Baldwin in Uganda, 
distributed industrial bleach to be consumed for protection against coronavirus. And when they were like, why in hell would you do this? He literally was like, I can't do this in Europe and America because their laws are too stringent. Mm. If you were just passing out little bottles of holy water, nobody cares. It's just holy water. Yeah. But you're passing out industrial bleach for people to drink. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have a problem with that. My God. It is my God-given right to yeah. drink bleach. And, of course, anywhere... God wouldn't have made it if he didn't want me to. Solid. Yeah. Solid logic yeah, it's hard, right it's hard, uh, hard, hard, hard to argue with that. Yeah. Anywhere you got white <laughs> Christians selling Jesus... You know, I guess you're right. Go you ahead. have scams. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Bishop Daniel Ob- Obinim from Obinim. the International God's Way Ministries uh, reportedly was selling holy oil that he claimed would protect people against the coronavirus and it's great for making eggs maybe maybe holy eggs in new zealand pastor brian tamaki who also once blamed gays for earthquakes and said that had said that because they're fucking too hard and it's moving the tectonic maybe that's it maybe that's his logic i can't think of anything else can you they're getting they're having sex so much they're moving the tectonic plates and i'm here no i think that's right i think he's motionless i think that perhaps he is just jealous yeah probably because no one's rocket his bed anyway uh he said that born again christians couldn't get the virus which is just dangerous. Like, I, yeah, like you have some believers here that, like, they they want to believe you, so they're gonna they're gonna test faith like that, mm-hmm. and that's so dangerous. Like, yeah, when you're absolutely. when you're a clergyman, you hold a lot of people's beliefs in your hand, and you can't just go throwing it around willy nilly for your own fucking ego. Or but, maybe I can get a jet out of it or maybe i can get a jet out of it which brings us to our next guy i didn't even plan that that was great thanks (laughs) televangelist kenneth copeland who made the news recently for basically yell praying covid19 away and it was it was is kind of ridiculous but some angel some angel of the internet Made a COVID nineteen Kenneth Copeland remix, and I'm just gonna, just gonna give you a little taste, taste of it here. Fucking slaps. The wind of God. The wind of COVID nineteen. What? COVID nineteen. That's pretty metal. It's pretty metal. Go! 19 yeah. for what? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's such such good rap metal. Lincoln Park sitting there like, this motherfucker spitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah, those uh, fire and brimstone pastors, they spit. <laughs> Yeah. They'd be reading the whole goddamn revelations to you in like 20 minutes. They'll hit you like you sitting in the front row. You're going to hit be hit with spittle. I'm sorry. Blessed with spittle. Mm. Nice. 
So yeah, that was from him claiming to cure people of coronavirus in their TV studio. Nice. Uh, also, in the URL that I put po- that I pasted in here, it calls it a farticle, and I feel like that's accurate. We're sharing farticle. Farticle. Oh. Facts. <laughs> So he also said, he was also the guy who said, um, if you lose your job, don't you dare stop giving to the church. I'm sorry, stable churches don't do that. (laughs) He is trying to take your money. Yeah, dude. You know, I got three of the chairs reupholstered in my jet, but, um, you know, that fourth one, I just just need a little more. I just need a little more to reupholstery. That last chair. Jesus wants to sit on velvet, guys. Yeah. He can't. Corinthian he can't velvet. Sit next to yeah. me on leather. He needs. To, it has to be velvet. He has to have Corinthian leather, as it says in Corinthians one. Notice. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably get away with that. Honestly. And his bottom and back were cushioned. Speaking of that jet, by Corinthian leather. Last May he was made asked from by real Corinthians. Made from real Corinthians. Sorry. Tanned, <laughs> dried in the sun. Spritzed with organic lavender oil. Yeah. Great for making eggs. <laughs> Great for making eggs. Lavender eggs. Choice of. Oh, oh God. That's yeah, that sounds. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, last May, he uh, he was confronted by correspondent um, Lisa Guerrero from Inside Edition, who basically asked him how much he spent on Tyler Perry's jet. <laughs> and he was like, that's none of your business. And then she's like, but what? Isn't it the business of your your uh, constituents and your donors? And he fumbles so hard. And oh, like, yeah. This lady is great also because she comes up there. She's like, sir, isn't it true that you love to live a life of luxury while, you're, while your constituents are super poor and you just take their money? And he's like, no, I'm not doing that at all. She's like, isn't it true? How much did you pay for Tyler Perry's jet? <laughs> and he's like, and then he's like, Ugh. And you see the switch in his eyes from being like, oh, nice talk about Jesus stuff to, you know, this bitch. Like, you can see the switch in his eyes God go damn off. it, if this was the 1600s, I'd burn you at the Yeah, exactly. Stake. You just call her a witch you and know have her burned. You know he's thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> so next up uh, on our update from the last episode, we're talking about the Fed in my stemmy with me. $1,200 never felt so fake. So first off... Yeah, I was, it's just kind of like cool. Like, I guess that's going to help me with the, a month. my bills this Until month. Until next year, maybe. Yeah, like some of my bills this month is going to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Uh, yeah. yeah so, it's, so first off, the stimulus check is not actually technically relief money. It's a tax advance. It's uncertain to tax professionals that I have asked... Whether or not we will have to pay this back with next year's tax refund. For basically what he said is that if you don't make enough, you'll probably not have to file it back. But if you do make enough, you will be paying it back. And I kind of wonder how many people know that and will know that when they file. And then, like, mm-hmm. next year they're going to be like, why did I get $1,200 oh, taken just, off are of they my... Are they just going to, like, slip you the slip the bill into your coat pocket as you're leaving kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's kind of the equivalent here. It's like, telling, like, making you feel like it's relief money and then making you pay it back sure, later. Yeah. So we're still trying to figure out if that is a thing. And I would urge everyone to talk to their own tax professionals about that because it really just seems like nobody fucking knows right now. That kind of seems to be the case about a lot of... You know, yeah, a lot of what's of going these on. Programs that are being pushed. It seems like it's 
bit yeah, of try to talk to a professional and find out because yeah nobody knows we're all waiting on the hook it's here. like somebody it's like a kid who had like a science project due the next morning and so he started on it at like 10 p.m the yeah. night before yeah exactly so he got it there but he he, yeah. he has the whole project <laughs> there but he doesn't have a pencil he doesn't know what time it is. His break. shorts yeah, are on yeah. backward. And like the the project. His dad has to drop off the batteries. The project is yeah, it's just dog puke on a whiteboard. <laughs> How much chocolate can you feed a dog before it pukes? <laughs> By Billy Trump. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't find any mainstream articles about the stimulus um how like how it's being paid for if it's tax relief or, or anything like that uh, the only thing i could find was actually from dave ramsey's financial youtube ramsey. channel and he said the same thing that it was a tax advance and that you should be prepared to pay it back which oh. like if i hadn't caught that i wouldn't know sure and how yeah. many other people don't know that they're gonna pay that back yeah what if you're mm-hmm. waiting next year you're like i'm gonna do like i need my tax refund for this thing so that I can do this thing and you're counting on that and you don't know that you're not going to. So like everybody talk to a tax professional about what the stimulus check is going to mean for us in the next tax year because nobody knows and we need to stay on top of this shit because uh, we're, we're getting conned. That's that's in the back of my mind right now is like we're definitely getting conned right now. The government's giving me free money. Yeah. What's going mm, on? Yeah, sorry. I don't believe that it's real. <laughs> and I got my 1200 as did many. And I couldn't help but think of this parable from Jesus that I'm researching for the future, for the future episode that I'm going to do called Republican Jesus. Hero, Republican, <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Nice. Yeah, Basically, it goes that there was a slave who knew that his master, who wants to loan him money, will only throw it in his face later. So he doesn't do anything with it, and then he gives it back, and he tells him, like, I knew you were just going to be mean about this, so I didn't do anything with it. And, like, take it. Take it back. And, of course, I find out about this and the stimulus check, and at the same time, and I'm just like, oh, Republican Jesus strikes again. Yeah, that's, I think it's like, what was it, the fourth day he rose and levied taxes on everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Levied crippling taxes on the populace. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the the Fed also seems to think that they can um, throw everything they've got at the economy, and then when we are done. Poke do- it with a stick! We're done doing this. <laughs> yeah, poke it with a stick and wake dead? it up. Is it dead wake yet? Wake it up, is it dead? Uh, we'll be able to get a, like get going quicker uh, if they do that. And I, that's their only job. It's their only fucking job. So, yeah, so yeah just like make it work. Po- pokes fed with stick. Make it work! Ugh. But anyway, so I'm going to quote you here from a New York Times article. Um, I'm quoting Michelle Meyer, chief U.S. economist for Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. We're the Bank of America. Yeah, I got a song. I got Miss Miss Lyricized song for everything. (laughs) She says, if these big corporations don't have financing or they're losing their access to credit, it means they're going to have to close their doors and fire workers. Net multiplies into real economy quickly and severely. 
if this happens, this economic recession spirals and becomes deeper and more prolonged. Um, right now, so in the development since I finished writing this episode, there are far-right crazies out like outdoors protesting and making this become like deeper and more prolonged as she making as it she making said. it a, a bigger thing than it needs to be yeah so we could all if everyone would just stayed inside and not done anything for 15 days we would have been done but instead everybody had to go keep doing their you know everyday lives and even some of us at at first we were like this shit ain't real. You've been yelling at us about diseases that never did anything for like 10 years, you know, and then like all of a sudden, bam. So everybody's caught off guard. And if we could have just had a better reaction, it'd already be over. But mm -hmm. instead, we're doing this. We're just, we're just, we just keep picking holes in the bag and all of our health is falling out of it. Yeah, I don't know. There's this like, it's, it's something that really pisses me off about people, you know, not being, like, courteous of other people. There seems to be, like, this idea or culture of people—idea, uh, ideal or culture of people who, like, anything that somebody tells me to do or, like, they feel like they're being told to do, it's like, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Fuck the consequences. Like, you know, it's 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 just, like, yeah, they feel like everything's just a, you. Well, that's but usually like, you fuck over somebody else in the process. Yeah, it's this idea of, like, anything, I don't know, it's just, like, you tell me to do something, it's a horrible offense to me as a person, so I'm going to fight against it no matter what. And it's, I don't know, I, I just hate that culture, you know? It's, it's just, like, I'm going to be the opposite voice just to be the opposite voice, just to be, like... Just play the devil's yeah, advocate. Exactly, sure. Yeah, or yeah. or it's fun. I bet you, like, all those people who are out driving in Denver... Do, oh, yeah, I'm sure they I think they it's were, so fun. I bet you, like, most of them are half-lit, fucking... Probably. You know, just, And like, they're all white, so the police are just following them, make sure they're, they're yeah, okay, really, yeah. instead of actually making them go the fuck home. Yeah. Yeah, that's just... That's some crazy shit to me, man. It's It's insane yeah it's like, i mean you can't keep us in and it's like you know nobody's keeping you in it's like something like we're trying to no, you get... stay there so you don't die yeah it's like you know you can go outside like you yeah. know just like stay like with the nurses downtown in denver we're standing outside stopping these blockades of idiots god bless them no kidding and and then i read one where this lady was like you get to go to work. Why don't I get to go to work? I've saved some lives. I'm like, if you can't go to work, I don't think you do anything that saved anybody's life ever. Because yeah. everybody who does life-saving life work is still fucking working. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? You saved some lives? Well, you want to you wanna get into some fucking scrubs and come down to the hospital with me? We could use a pair right. of hands. Given the demographic here, I'm sure her idea of saving lives was that she stands outside of the Stapleton abortion clinic yelling slurs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> taking taking nips out of a flask. Yeah. Well, you know, they were talking about how we got to sacrifice some people to save the economy. They seem to want to volunteer. Just saying. Hey, you know Just what? Just uh, With free will or, like, you know, the ability to do whatever you want as a, you know, white American... <laughs> Um, do what you want. If yeah. you want to go put yourself in danger, you know, that's your thing, but just don't make it anybody else's fucking problem, you know? That's like right. the worst thing. It's like you, if you, you could run into a crowd of children, like, if you were a, co if you were a white COVID patient, you could run into a crowd of children and no one's going to do a damn thing to you. 
<laughs> Some people are probably going to tackle you. I th- you know what I mean, though. <laughs> no, you're like, you're no, not going to face I, prosecution. I, 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 get, I get what you're saying, but I was imagining, like, No somebody... police will arrest you. <laughs> I was imagining somebody, like, run, you know, running into a field. Like, well, I mean, nothing going to happen to me. And then just, like, fucking three dads just fucking, you know, quarterback <laughs> tackle. Not yeah. quarterback, but, like, you know, defensive mm-hmm. tackle. Mm-hmm. I don't know sports. I don't know no sports neither. Hey, hey, sport ball dads, they need you downtown Denver to tackle these fucking idiots before they oh, get know, to yeah. the nurses. We could have a different Super Bowl this year. Ooh. I might turn in for How that. How many dumb fucks can you tackle? I, 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 I like that. You know, but, like, I, I also, like, you know, really feel for those dads, and they shouldn't have to expose themselves. I mean, like, can we wrap them in some kind Ooh, I know. Let's put them in giant hamster ball bubbles, and then they could just be like, and like knock them over like sure. bowling pins. <laughs> uh, and it looks like we might not have a choice anyway. It looks like they might, you know, they're talking about opening up the economy and liberate and blah, 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 blah. So that they won't, you know, we might not have a choice. As to whether or not outside is safe, but it will be open. And uh, I'm hoping to just mostly avoid those people. (laughs) So why don't you take us into the next story? Okay. (laughs) All right. So there is a lot of debate about the truth of this story. But for hundreds of years after, its leading character becomes the template for the evil tyrant. So a little background. The city of Akragas... Uh, God, <laughs> Akragas, which is now modern. Akragas. <laughs> Akragas is Akragas. Yeah. <laughs> not Scottish. So, so the Akragas. city, the city of Akragas, which is now modern day uh, Agrigento in Sicily, it was founded in the mid sixth century BC by Greek colonizers. The city would quickly grow and become wealthy through land acquisition as a trade city in its agricultural production from the fertile lands. Um, and during this beginning stage, a wealthy man named Phalaris uh, occupied an important office for the city. Um, he was tasked with building a temple for Zeus in the citadel. Um, but Phalaris wanted more. He had hired foreign workers to help build the new temple, but they weren't just in the business of construction. Phalaris armed his workers, and they took the citadel, and then took, the pow- took power of the city. So he became the tyrant of Acragus. And this is... This was just kind of how it was done during that time. It was just people just, you know, like I said earlier, raised Klingon armies. Klingon style. Yeah, they exactly. just raise and mm-hmm. kill them and Strongest then succeed them. Strongest takes it, yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the city did flourish and grew under Phalaris's rule. But as wealthy and cultured as the city was becoming, Phalaris uh, was infamous for his cruelty. So he was brutal in taking native territory and enslaving the inhabitants that they took. Another trick the British got from the... Romans. Mm-hmm. But his infamy comes from what he did to his enemies and his prisoners. So the bronze or brazen bull was said to have been created by Perilous um, of Athens. I, it's uh, Perilous or Perilous. Anyway. It would be Perilous <laughs> to fight a golden bull. Um, but he was famous for his bronze working skills. So the bull is essentially a giant bronze bull uh, statue and it's hollow inside. Um and it also has a little bronze door on the side of it that you can open and close. Ooh. So it's said that Phalaris, who had obtained one... That was a horse. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so it's said that Phalaris, who had obtained one, uh, would lock prisoners and enemies inside, and he would build up wood and kindling underneath. 
Um, they would then light the fire, and the victim inside would roast to death as the fire heated the bronze bowl. Uh, the structure, yeah, the structure of the bronze bowl allowed for the screams of the victims to imitate the bellow of a bull, adding more to the Holy effect. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Now that's like a really commendable art piece, and also <laughs> fucking horrifying. Yeah. And Phalaris seemed to find this immensely enjoyable. So here is an excerpt from Diodorus's work, uh, World History, where he describes um, Phalaris's acquisition of the bull, and I quote. Phalaris burned to death Perilous, the well-known Attic worker in bronze in the brazen bull. Uh, Attic, come from Attica. Perilous had fashioned in bronze the contrivance of the bull, making small-sounding pipes in the nostrils and fitting a door for an opening in the bull's side. And this bull he brings as a present to Phalaris. And Phalaris welcomes a man with presents and gives orders that the contrivance be dedicated to the gods. Then that worker in bronze opens the side, the evil device of treachery, and says with inhuman savagery, If you ever wish to punish some man, Phalaris, shut him up within the bull and lay a fire beneath it. By his groanings the bull will be thought to bellow, and his cries of pain will give you pleasure as they come through the pipes in the nostrils. (laughs) So when Phalaris learned of this scheme, he was filled with loathing of the of the man and says, "Come then, Polaris, do you be the first to illustrate this?" Imi- She's like, "All right, get in, motherfucker." Imitate those who have played the pipes and make clear to me the working of the device. And as soon as Perilous had crept in to give an example, so he thought of the sound of the pipes, Phalaris closes up the bowl and heaps fire under it. But in order that the man's get de- ideas at home. Okay. <laughs> I'm just- but in order that the man's death might not pollute the work of the bronze, he took him out when half dead and hurled him down the cliffs. Damn. So Phalaris would rule for almost twenty years, but as it goes with tyrants, they often do not face peaceful ends. In five fifty four BC, an insurrection led by a young man named Telemachus arose against Phalaris. They captured him and in a very symbolic act shoved him in the bronze bull and roasted him alive, just as he had done to so many. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it, sorry. Yeah, it's a good one. Let loose of my Looney Tunes laugh for that one. <laughs> that was Yeah, it's a good one, right? That was a good yeah. story, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, there's lots of lots of options for going forward. Guillotines, bronze bulls. Mm-hmm. Maybe an Iron Maiden or two. <laughs> the band? No. Okay. <laughs> so this next part of the show that I'm going to call "Quick, Look the Other Way," we're going to talk no. about a few. Ah! Uh, uh. We're going to talk about a few things that are happening that you probably like, maybe didn't hear about while you're trying to make sure that you don't get sick and your family stays healthy and that sort of thing. Mm. To quote New York Times again. In Hungary, the prime minister can now rule by decree. In Britain, ministers have what is called eye-watering power to detain people and close borders. They slather themselves in onions. That's so British. (laughs) Eye-watering power. Sorry, I use an onion as a soap. I hope that doesn't... Oh, sorry, is it making your eyes water? (laughs) Well, I guess that's just a part of the title, right? (sighs) Unlike other Robin Hoods, he can speak with an English accent. Also, Sick Israel's burn. prime minister shut down courts and began an intrusive surveillance of citizens. Chile has also sent military to public squares 
once occupied by protesters, and Bolivia has postponed elections. Over the past few weeks also, internet trolls have exploited Zoom screen-sharing features to hijack meetings and do things like interrupt educational such sessions or post white supremacist messages. Uh, one of them was to a webinar on anti-Semitism. Uh, this is called Zoom bombing. Ugh. Ugh, I know. So, like, yeah, these the little white whiny worms are at it again. Like Zoom the, dickening. Yeah. The hot, ugh, God, they're they're like the pub they're they're like the pubic crabs of society. Like you can't seem to fucking remove them. They're so hard to get rid of mm-hmm. and just ugh, gross. <laughs> I hate so, that they're like zoom bombing. You totally bombed them. Yeah, you should. You know, just like oh my god. Yeah, I guess it's like photo bombed, but like you know. It's just photobombing's fun. You got to start yeah. stop giving like cool words and sentiments to like these types of ridiculous nerds mm. cuz then they just think that every stupid thing they do is is cool. No, I mean I'm sure they gave them. That zoom bombing. They just they gave themselves they or they coined that own term themselves, you know, try to make it seem cool. I don't yeah. think they coined it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like they would. I don't you know? actually know where the term was coined, but Still, you can't you can't let them have it. It's like they're not cool. Stop acting like they're cool or like nefarious. They're just fucking nerds. They're the worst nerds. That's all. Governor Jay Inslee of Washington, a Democrat, was more blunt with his depiction of the chaotic federal response. Quote, this is ludicrous and we do not have the national effort in this. He said this on Meet the Press on NBC to say we're back up. I mean, the Surgeon General alluded to Pearl Harbor. Can you imagine if Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, All right, I'll be right behind you, Connecticut. Good luck with those battleships. Finger guns. Yeah. So that's basically where we are right now. We are considered front lines and also backup, but I really just think that that means that they're not going to fight this with us. Mm. They're going to keep giving us these titles uh, to distract us until just like people just keep dying. And they don't have to do anything about it. You know? That's what it seems where we're going here. We're just going to like, like, oh, essential healthcare workers and, you know, inflate them. And then we're going to be like, oh, all these people who stayed out, they're so, they're so courageous to help us go on. And then they're just going to get COVID and die. And then they can't be like, no, fuck you. Because, you know, it's a bunch of false, like, hero worship bullshit. Yeah. Give them health care, masks, and a living wage. Sure, yeah. So it's not too much to ask, right? All right, it's um, thoughts and prayers. It's just thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's always that. Yeah. It's always thoughts, thoughts and prayers so we sound good, and then you'll all you know, fight about what that means. Yeah. yeah. It's like, families are going broke. I don't know what that's like, but I hear it's happening. You know, it's, like, yeah. oh. It's, mm-hmm. it's so sad. But we can't just give away money. Like, yeah, you, know. you have to rework for yeah. it. <laughs> we know that you worked for it and you built it, and then we came in and like Godzilla that shit. But you know, you got to rework for it. Can't see me right now. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. My eyes hurt. There's a vein in my head that's just like, it's popping. Can you hear it? Can nope. You... Nope. It's popping. Anyway, Chris. But I me, see the metaphor. Give me another like story. Of, of justice. 
Uh, okay, well, yeah, is it not? I guess it's kind of justice. I mean, sort of. <laughs> Fitting. Yeah. Fitting. Again, again, these I'll things are these things myself. are never cut and dry. You know, like it's it's never it's never cut and dry, good or good and evil, or you know, no. like anything like that. Usually, it's just like, you know, what was already in place, and then we didn't change it, and then we let it go on too long. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of what America. It's also to do. just individual group interests. You know, they like hardly ever coincide, and it's just you know. It's like who can I who can rally the most people to their side is usually yeah. But anyway, this is a pretty pretty famous one. Uh, I think a lot of people know of the person, but they don't know of his end. Cool, go on. So this is the death of Caligula. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So we've all heard about the Roman emperor Caligula at one time or another. Um, I'm sure if anybody remembers their high school history classes. You've heard him. He's kind of one of those bad emperors. Um, mad king. Yeah, he was famously said to be mad, cruel, and just kind of an all-around bastard. You know, that's pretty much his reputation. So I guess we'll kind of start from the beginning. You know, uh, Gaius Caesar was born into the Julio-Claudian line, which is uh, Caesar's line, Julius Caesar. And when he was young, he would dress up in a tiny Roman soldier's uniform, and that's where he got the name Caligula, which means little boot. <laughs> and that would follow him basically for the rest of his life. That's funny. It sounds like um, Wilhelm. Oh, yeah. He's saying, oh, he's just like, I'm a little military brat. Yeah. <laughs> he had a kind of a crazy childhood. Um, it was pretty nuts. It's like a lot of his family members got assassinated or, or exiled, and he was moved around a lot. Um, and he was basically a, adopted by um, Emperor Tiberius at one time, and Tiberius was another bastard. That's Emperor James Tiberius Kirk, for those of you who aren't like classical studies majors. <laughs> go on. There you go. So um, Caligula would become emperor in 37 AD, and it had looked like he was going to be a good emperor. Um, you know, he was admired and said to be really generous. He abolished treason trials. He recalled those exiled under Emperor Tiberius, um, and he threw ceremonies, festivals, and games, and, and people just really loved him at first. But not long after his ascension, his mental health seemed to take a turn. He became obsessively suspicious of those around him. Uh, thinking they were all out to take his place, to take you like know, everything they're, they're was here a to witch take the throne. Like everything was a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. Maybe that fake news abounded. Yep, and he began executing those close to him, like those who had supported his ascension, and even family members. They were fired. <laughs> you fired in in the worst way. <laughs> and he also began. Oh, if he had the choice, I'm sure <laughs> he could feed people to lions. I think he would. But yeah. go on. Well, obviously, that feels he did. <laughs> No, I meant Trump. Oh, Trump, sure, yeah. Like, yeah instead you, of oh, just you being like, you fly yeah, it. Yeah. If he could feed him to a lion, I think he probably would. <laughs> so Caligula also began to deplete the treasury by giving away, kind of giving away too much of what was in the treasury, throwing too many games, doing too many huge festivals, basically using up all the money. You know, he and he used a lot of it for building projects and just kind of his extravagant lifestyle. And Prince Ali. Actually, I can't say that. The mouse will not let us sing. <laughs> Sorry. So to remedy this um, thinning of the treasury, he brought back trees and trials. And he began killing prominent Romans and taking their estates and wealths to replenish the treasury. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if our government, like took over some rich assholes estate we'd never hear the end of it yeah i mean like it's you know it sounds cool in some ways but it's you know it's also like not all you know wealthy or prominent you know people are bad people you know some actually contribute a lot and at this point it didn't matter if they were good or shitty it was just like oh you got a lot of land oh you got a lot of money oh man you just looks like you 
made the treason list. You know, it was just it like yeah, wasn't a right. really yeah, it was kind of you know, whoever had money. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, woohoo, killing all the you know, rich. Um, you you might recall like whenever there's rich people that don't fit the demographic of people that the society thinks should be rich, they get attacked for it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as yeah. I've always talked as we've talked about before, like Jewish people always get that. Um, like talk about a well-beaten scapegoat like the dead horse of scapegoats Mm -hmm. is like just blame everything on the jews yep like get get, look in the mirror is all i really (laughs) have to say like your problems are your own usually and caligula also began to feud with the senate and he began executing some of them too so different you know political leaders yeah the senate wasn't really very powerful at this time i guess you know augustus had kind of made that kind of void a little bit he like because he kept he kept people thinking that it was still republic augustus but he set in these different rules and laws and stuff that kind of just gave him all the power but made the senate feel like they had power um and caligula that doesn't track at all today well yeah and caligula would kind of like bring it all around a little bit by kind of gaining total control of the military because it used to be different, like, you know, uh, generals and stuff like that. Sometimes they could do things like, through the... There's a whole big history, not even going to get into it. But anyway, so he's also said to be a scandalous sexual deviant. Um, and the word incest is sometimes used. Ooh. Mm, yeah. So, like, an actual one. Well, it's hard to tell with Caligula. I'll get, in, I'll get to that in a minute. Don't so. slut shame Caligula. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's. I mean, there's obviously a lot of crazy stories about Caligula. Um, there was one story where Caligula loved one of his horses so much that he made it a consul or like a part of the Senate. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you are co-consul. It reminds me of the, the hippies. In the but 60s. a cup, you are now a co-consul. Yeah. Trying to elect a pig for president. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if this story is true, it's most likely was a way to piss off the Senate and not really an act of insanity. But, you know, it's basically like my horse can be a better senator than you. Gotcha. You know, I think that's kind of probably more what that's it is. That's what the pig was. Yeah. The pig would have been a better president. Yeah. Another more quirky story, though, is that he. Quirky? Quirky. Quirky. Hey, I did a quirky. Um, <laughs> quirky Caligula story. So another another story says that wow. he often had his soldiers perform tasks that really made no sense. Um, for instance, when he and his army arrived at the beach of northern Gaul after a military campaign, kind of going up uh, to northern Europe, he had his men collect shells and said it was the spoils of the ocean. Um, instead of crossing the sea to the British Isles. So they basically made it to that coast of northern Gaul, the northern part of France. And then they were just like, oh, seashells. Yeah, well, they th- they think, all right, we're, we're, we're crossing, we're going to cross this, and we're going to, you, know, ex- you know, conquer, get more resources. And he's just like, the shells are our payment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's really hard to know how much of this is fact or fabrication um, when we're talking about Caligula? Um, a lot of it's really biased. And some of the... Because he's the bitch y'all love to hate. Well, yeah, and some of the stories... So you could make up anything and you're like, yeah, that sounds right. Well, things don't line up with some historical um, evidence that we have. You know, it's kind of like that idea, you know, whoever whoever makes history. What was I saying? It's um, uh, the victor writes the history. Yeah, exactly. And so it's some, some scholars think that some of these stories were kind of like anti-propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, like, like kind of post humanist 
propaganda, um, kind of de- okay. declaring him an insane, you know, scandalous sexual deviant emperor. You know, so it's hard. It's hard to know. Um, but no matter the truth, Caligula, much like Nero, kind of becomes a prototype for the insane ruler and cruel tyrant. And at some point, the people did get tired of Caligula and his kind of extravagant lifestyle and spending. So a few people formed and they made a conspiracy to kill uh, the young emperor. So I'll let another source take it from here. Um, This is the most detailed account of Caligula's assassination. So it was written by Flavius Josephus, who was a... Giuseppe was his nickname. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and he's a Romano-Jewish historian. Definitely Giuseppe, then. (laughs) He wrote not long after the event and would actually certainly have had access to those who were around and even have maybe talked to some who were involved in the assassination. So this is an account which I've kind of cut some parts out, um, extraneous parts, just kind of save some time. And they're going to say Caius, that is Caligula. Caius Ligula, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, when you hear me say Caius, I'm talking about Caligula. Okay. So, quote, Caius turned aside into a private narrow passage in order to go to the place for bathing, as also in order to take a view of the boys that came out of Asia, who were sent there thence partly to sing hymns in these mysteries, which were now celebrated and partly to dance in the pyric way of dancing upon the theaters. So he's, you know, yeah, trying to have a good old time. With some choir boys. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kara met him. Um, I think it's how you say his name. It's like uh, Kara is a sort of a associate who works for him. Kara met him and asked him for the watchword. Upon Caius's giving him one of his ridiculous words, he immediately reproached him and drew his sword and gave him a terrible stroke with it. So they were waiting for him to say this word to be the go word. Yet was not the stroke mortal, and although there be those that say it was so contrived on purpose by Kara that Caius should not be killed with one blow, but should be punished severely by a multitude of wounds. However, Caius was staggered with the pain that that blow gave him, for the stroke of the sword falling in the middle between the shoulder and the neck was hindered by the first bone of the breast from proceeding any further. Nor did he either cry out, in such astonishment was he, nor did he call out for any of his friends. Whether hey, hey, <laughs> whether it were that he had no confidence in them, or that it, that his mind was otherwise disordered, but he groaned under the pain he endured, and presently went forward and fled. When Cornelius Sabinus, who was already prepared in his mind to do so, thrust him down upon his knee, where many of them stood around him and struck him with their swords, and they cried out and encouraged one another all at once to strike him again. Ha ha! Jab! Jab jab! Yep. Jab jab! Ha ha! Ha! But, but all agree that Aquila gave him the final stroke, which directly killed him. Thus did Caius come to his end and lay dead by the many wounds which had been given to him. So yeah, they basically just fucking gunned him down in the street. That's pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking killed him in the street, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they got tired of shit, and they were just like, you know what? We're taking care of this. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they went there, and then they took care of it. Yep. I'm not saying we should do that now. I'm yeah. not saying that sounds like a thing. I mean, we it's should... well, it was a crazy thing to do, also because, like, you know, Caligula still had supporters. He, like, some of the people, a lot, you know, some of the population still loved him, you know, because he, he was generous, but it was like... No, it didn't sound like yeah. he was great with money. No, exactly. Yeah, it just was... Not yeah. He's just throwing it about yeah. like a genie made it well, up for him. And he's like, and he's the one where they said uh, there's a story which I mentioned in my um, episode on the gladiatorial games. And if you want to learn more, go watch that or listen to that on Under the Pendulum podcast. But um, he's the one who 
um, at one of the gladiatorial games, uh, ran out of f- prisoners to execute. So he picked out a section of the audience and threw them to the wild animals. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's, you did he's the one. That's one of that's that. one of the stories um, about him. Yeah. So, to deal with our our final topic of last week and kind of sum it up here, will things go back to normal? I I don't. Were things think so. ever normal? <laughs> what was normal? <laughs> Let's see. Normal was letting people die if they didn't have health care. Normal was, you know, letting Nazis parade around. I don't think I want normal. Do you want normal? No, not really. No, it's not no, great. No, no, working minimum wage. And, uh, you know, our votes don't count and that kind of thing. Like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen, I get... Things from organizations for protests all the time, like, they don't care. They they really just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, it's normal that politicians care that you protest and that you show up and you go, hey, motherfucker, I don't like this shit. Yeah. They, they usually care about that. But now, in these days and times, no one cares. Like, the only people who, who are protesting, especially now, are nuts. And everyone else is just at home going... Oh, God, what is about to happen? <laughs> so anyway, I don't think things are going to go back to normal, and I don't think normal was great to begin with. So mm. how about better? Can we do some better, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I mm. guess. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I found an article posted by a friend on Facebook. It was a simple opinion piece, but I found it poignant. And normally I won't use opinion pieces for anything. But the author warned that these re- warned his readers that the media would soon flock to sell you the new normal. And it just felt too true not to mention. You can take it as you wish, so I can't tell the future. I can only tell you what I think might happen. And it seems like this is America's particular brand of sugar-coated, you know, lies and capitalism. So... The article warned that the new selling of information will be to comfort you and to get you back into a routine, back in the system. Uh, the threat isn't even over, so we have to ask ourselves what we need to keep the new normal going or if we want to do that at all. Now, we all have to stay safe at this time, but... Going back to the way things were isn't going to happen. If they open the economy too soon, it might not happen for years. We need to look at right now what we need to be normal, what we need to function, what we need to survive this. And I can't help but think of Rapa Nui. Easter Island in in the Pacific, like damn near as far away from all of the other land masses as you can get in the Pacific Ocean is Easter Island. And it's treeless because the islanders cut down all the trees. They had to have seen the last trees fall one by one and knowing there wouldn't be any more, but they just kept cutting. And this was presumably for firewood and other basic uses. But you can see what I'm saying here. We can watch as every tree falls or we can stop and be like, you know what? New plan. Mm hmm. So the summer heat is also like like not likely to affect the virus. The current White House administration did say that, you know, summer heat will make it go away and we'll be fine. It also gets worse after summer heat, which is just kind of like part of that that they left off. <laughs> but it actually seems like the heat doesn't 
uh, affect it like other viruses in the past. And lobbyists are pushing really hard to reopen the country. And, you know, after I wrote this, they actually did do that. It's exhausting to keep up with it with a thing that's happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, it's exhausting. Yeah. Shit. So I will I will probably try to do more episodic things after this and not keep up with the current current events. My Lord, I can't I want to be able to tell you the truth and I can't even tell you because it's all like happening and being fact checked in real time in front of me. Yeah, Dan Carlin used to do this kind of like short podcast. Dan Carlin uh, of Hardcore History. If you haven't listened to any of his stuff, it's really fantastic. Um, but he used to do kind of a shorter one where it was more of the time, you know, like events happening as they do. Um, but he stopped doing it kind of for the same reason because he's like, at some point, I just couldn't keep up with how things were shifting, and I just it's like stop the show you know, yeah. like stop that little that little mini show because he's just like i just it got tiring like i couldn't do it and yeah as a person who obsesses yeah. over politics it it all cha- everything happening takes so much effort to 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 like keep up on process if you were trying to report that like you'd be constantly like like taking your mistakes back because mm-hmm. you're finding out everything moment to moment as yeah. you write it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to have like a certain, you know, stance on something when it's like, yeah. you know, not, not a very stable. You gotta um, have a serious yeah. base knowledge mm-hmm. yeah, sure. to do that. It's yeah. like, you know, respect independent journalism. Those people are trying to make sure fascism doesn't happen mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Speaking of fascism. <laughs> Our health experts have warned that if we lift this too early, we'll have worse problems. Mm-hmm. And we actually did this with the Spanish influenza. Um, we need more testing. But right now, let them get tested sounds like let them eat cake. There's literally no option. You can't go get tested. If you if you have antibodies, which New York, like a lot of people want to know People have antibodies who have lived through it and stuff because then we can go on to uh, manufacture a vaccine. And we don't have testing. We don't have testing anywhere. So they're just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Take your coxachloroquine or I don't don't know. What was that? (laughs) Chloro. Hobjaquine. Chernobyquine. Quinoaquine. Hmm. Anyway, whatever that malaria antiviral that the president is peddling because he has stake in the stocks of it and Um. he wants to, like, make money off of it, whatever that is, please stop popping that. If anybody (laughs) needs it, it's probably not you. Unless a doctor prescribed it to you, you probably don't need that shit. Mm -hmm. But but anyway, uh, we have less supplies now, which... Didn't come up when I was looking over things. It's like we have less supplies now than we had when we started, and now our government is making our governors bit like pit into a bidding war to get personal protective equipment, and and then they're also like, we'll just get everybody tested when there isn't enough of any of this to go around. It's mind blowing. Yeah, Chris is just like looking at me blankly, like, "What do you want me to say? Nothing." Buddy. I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Nothing, I, I don't have a joke. Um, there, yeah. That is the joke. We're the joke. Oh. The punchline is stimulus check. Nice. Thank you. So is 
Is it guillotine time? I don't know. Is it unavoidable? I don't know. When you were at a rock and a hard place, and that's usually where people get fed up enough to go out with their guillotine and at least threaten a politician. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I believe we should cherish the peaceful transfer of power. But also, people with guillotines will be showing up soon, whether like I like it or endorse it or not, because people are dying. And you have enough people being like, my family's dying, and enough people being like, well, but the economy. And those people are going to fight soon. Anyway, so moving on here, I just want to sum this up. How much more stable would our economy be if we all had jobs we could work from at home? If we all had paid sick leave? If we all could go get tested? If we all didn't have to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars for testing? If we didn't have the right kind of health care? What is unavoidable? At this point, I don't know. If this was truly a matter of just shutting the door until the boogeyman was gone, I, I would think differently. But if that were true, then why is the whole bedroom crumbling around us? Thank you for tuning in to Everyday Lies, a show about the dumbest and most terrible things that people actually believe in. On this episode, we're going to start shout-outs. I'd like to say hello and thank you so much for being followers and helping us on social media. Rose Jones, Lindsay Mayhair, you have, like, I, I see you, like, like and support and support spread my work and it, it really like m my heart could not be fuller to think that y you really do enjoy what mm. I'm doing so thank you so stop it <laughs> so thank you so much and you can also find us on Instagram at everyday lies you can find us on Facebook at everyday lies podcast email me at everyday lies pod gmail you can also find us on tumblr at everyday lies pod Chris, you want to tell us about your uh, web internet-y um... plugs? So plugs. <laughs> once again, um, who knows how long you're gonna go on with that? Um, I was uh, so I was just waiting for you to break in at any time. Like, I could have just saved me. I could have just saved me from going. the weird um. So, um, my podcast is Under the Pendulum Podcast, where we kind of dive deep into all things horrifying scary and mysterious in the world um you can find us on under pendulum podcasts on instagram under the pendulum podcast on facebook at pendulum underscore pod on twitter and you can find our episodes on podbean spotify apple podcasts and soundcloud um we'll be adding more podcatchers awesome yep yep uh, yep, yep yep and now we're gonna play out the intro but uh but uh it's the best song I ever wrote. All right. Go. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>